Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Shelton. And today's show is brought to you by Cave Social. Cave Social is a marketing agency based out of Los Angeles that helps companies grow online. So if your company is stuck, you're feeling like you can't grow or you don't know where to turn when it comes to social media, driving web traffic, all that good stuff, head over to cavesocial.com, hit that contact us, and they will be able to help you out. Okay, today. Today we are sitting with Liana Dulet guzman She is the CMO at Skillshare. We get a really, really interesting conversation going, looking at how to keep a growth mindset uh, instilled in a team. Also, how to really position your brand when it comes to Skillshare as a super host, like a super host at a dinner party, being that supporting actor, you know, to your customer starring role. Really, really interesting conversation. Her experience really shines through in the interview. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this one. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the show. Today, I'm sitting with Liana Dulet guzman uh, She is the CMO at Skillshare. Liana, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jordan. So tell me a little bit. Tell me about your story. I know you spent some time at Blockchain, before that at Axiom. Walk me through kind of your professional journey in marketing and then what brought you to Skillshare. Sure. So I sort of fell into marketing. I graduated from college, very sure that I was going to be a lawyer. So took the LSAT, but wanted a year between college and law school to live in New York City. So took a position as a paralegal at a really small law firm where I could do work that usually, you know, first and second year law associates do. And I think that the thing that attracted me to law was this idea of taking really nuanced problems and finding novel solutions. And and what I realized, you know, a handful of weeks into the role as a paralegal was that that's actually the opposite of what lawyers do. You know, lawyers are, it's a very precedent bound profession. So as, as I was sort of coming to that realization, a friend of mine, a friend of a friend actually invited me to look into a marketing role at the New York Film Academy. And at the time, I had this very negative perception of marketing. I just didn't think it's what people who wanted a really serious career did, which is, you know, mortifying to admit, you know, 15 years into a marketing career. But that's sort of where I was. And and luckily for me, this person stayed on top of me and, and asked me to look into it further. And as I did, what I realized was the thing that I thought I loved about law was significantly more true about marketing. And so I started my career in marketing at the New York Film Academy. It was much more of a sales role than a, you know, traditional brand marketing role and pretty quickly pivoted into a role at Axiom, as you mentioned, joined as the junior most person on on a team. Axiom had just opened its second office. We had about 30 employees and spent the next almost decade there. And it was an incredible experience for me because, you know, the company grew exponentially. So by the time I left, they had, you know, 2,500 employees across 17 offices globally and, you know, 300 million in ARR. I was able to grow alongside the company. So, you know, as I mentioned, I started as the junior most person on the team. And by the time I left, was running all of the branding and communications functions. And then the other thing that happened was that it happened to be the 10-year period where I think marketing 
most shifted. So when I joined, it was, you know, a very analog marketing experience, very driven by brand. And by the time I left, performance marketing had been created as a part of marketing. Digital activations were much more part of the mix. And so I was able to really learn on the front lines of that shift in the marketing world. And then got a call from a recruiting agency inviting me to consider a role at blockchain as their first marketing executive hire and joined there started to build out some of the brand efforts there, but ended up sort of seeing problems and and jumping to fix them and lifted my head, you know, six months in and realized that marketing accounted for about 30% of of what I spent my time doing. And so pivoted into more of a COO role where I partnered with the CEO to help build the company and, and scale from, you know, again, about 30 employees to 170 employees, new geographies, new business lines. And then about four years into that role, you know, as I assessed all of the the departments that fell under me, I realized that marketing communications was the part that continued to feel least like work and most fun. And so I uh, decided to move back into a CMO role. So I uh, joined Skillshare about nine months ago and, you know, have been having a wonderful time since. Unreal. That's, uh, you know, the accidental marketer. I, that's a common theme on this show, uh, <laughs> myself included. Okay, so I want to dive right in. You had a post go out on Forbes, and it was really about you know the time to reflect. And I want to ask you, one of the points you put in there was how brands really need to, well, brands, we need to expand the definition and CMOs particularly need to expand the definition of brand. So can you talk to me about where you think companies need to go with expanding that definition? Absolutely. I think too often people use brand and marketing interchangeably, and they're very different things. So the brand to me is the company's DNA. It is the very essence of what the organization is, what it stands for, who it serves. And marketing is how you bring that brand out into the public sphere. So for me, you know, when we think about brand, we can't think of just the logo or the brand voice. We have to start with defining who you are as an organization, what you stand for, who you serve, and from there, then build you know marketing plans that bring the right people into your sphere. That's really what I meant by saying that I think we need to expand the way we think about brand. I think you're hit the nail on the head, right? Nike's not a check mark. Nike is the feeling you get when you see LeBron James throwing down a dunk. That's and, right. And, and all and you know Serena Williams and everybody else and all of the athletes combined. But and you know, I think it's when like, you look at the the Nike brand, you know. They just recently, I don't know if you saw the commercial that they just put out into the world of where it's digitally enhanced to show sort of two athletes experiencing the same moment. And I can't tell you how many people said to me, I am not an athlete. I don't watch sports, but that commercial hit me where it hurts, right? I got goosebumps. And I think when you think about sort of the Nike brand, you know, a lot of what they talk about is that everyone is an athlete. It's not just for professional athletes. It's about that moment of realizing what your body is capable of. And I think the same is true for Skillshare. You know, we recently pivoted our brand. We did this exercise where we looked inward to see who we were and what we stood for. And what we realized was that the people we were best serving were those who were coming to Skillshare to pursue creativity. And, you know, when you look at the Skillshare brand today, it is not necessarily about learning a specific skill. It's actually about the journey of learning and how much that allows you to discover about yourself. And so I think really that is the essence of the brand. And then it's the marketing team's, you know, job to figure out how do you communicate that effectively to a broad audience. The advent, I want to say, of e-learning and then also like the force nature, not force nature of it, but, you know, really the ability, 
the prevalence of it that has really taken off with everybody working from home. What did that do to, you know, your Q2 plans? Did you have to quickly shuffle and say, okay, you know, we're getting a lot more activity. People want to learn online. Were there any massive pivots that took place? Absolutely. Yes. So we saw a massive influx of interest in our business. I think driven primarily because I think when I talk to people about how the COVID experience has impacted them, what I hear over and over again is it forced me to figure out what mattered most to me, right? It, it stripped away all of the must-dos and, and should-haves and really centered me on what are the things that I want to fill my time with. And the that answer for a lot of people was, I want to fill my time being a lifelong learner. I want to learn new things. I want to pick up new skills. And that drove a lot of inbound interest. So certainly shifted the way that we were operating as a marketing team. On the flip side, you know, when I look at at our Q2 plans initially, we had a lot of in real life activations. A lot of what what we were focused on was bringing what is already a very committed and passionate online community and making that community more tangible with real life activations. And of course, all of those plans had to be tossed up in the air. So really moving from, you know, some of some of those plans to how do we create that digitally? So as a company, we launched uh, live learning. So you can come in and actually learn alongside one of the teachers in a live setting where you're still interacting and, and we're finding that ability to connect people in real time. But certainly that required a massive pivot. The other thing we had to do as a business, and this wasn't specific to the marketing team, but, you know, a lot of our content is shot on site. So we will go to, you know, our teacher's studios and shoot their classes. And so really had to turn that on its head and and figure out how to do remote shooting, which I'm thrilled to say the team has done very effectively. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see how, you know, when forced to go to this new remote setup, how innovative people can be, especially marketing teams with getting, you know, content production still really through the pipe. So I've been impressed, you know, with a lot of companies, obviously, you are all in the thick of it. So (laughs) very, very impressive. Now you said something else in this Forbes article, and I love it because it was really about getting your external identity, aligning your external identity with your brand. And can you just, I guess, talk to me a little bit about how to do that. And then I have an example or a company that, uh, I want to discuss after. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm interested to see what company that is. Yeah, I think it goes back to what I said earlier. I think sometimes what companies do is they approach it from building a, 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 a visual identity first. And they really look at a logo from the perspective of, what looks pretty or what has a narrative that, you know, roughly aligns with what we're doing. We very much took the opposite approach. So, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we identified that where we really had the opportunity to make the most impact in the lives of our users was around creativity and around this message of journey as destination. So it isn't, yes, learning a skill is incredibly important, particularly as the world shifts and automation becomes a bigger part of the work world. You know, creative skills are one of the few skills that will not be co-opted by automation. So yes, the skill learning is important, but actually we would argue that the journey of learning that skill is even more important, right? It's what you learn about yourself in the process of learning that new skill that matters more than anything. And I think this isn't new, right? When I think about my college experience, it was the experience of learning in college was more important than the specific things I learned in college. And I think a lot of us can say that that's true for us. So when we look at that as a brand identity, then we sort of back into, okay, so what does our, our visual identity look like? And when you look at our new logo, we are a digital first brand. So we, we picked colors that 
we knew would work really well in the digital space. And you'll notice these meandering lines that become the dots on Skillshare. That was all about bringing to life this idea of journey, not destination. There is no endpoints for these lines. They meander, they wander. The color is called wandering green. The whole idea is that this brand identity actually came out very easily because we had the foundations in place first. So once you sort of know who you are, it's very easy to build an identity that reflects that accurately. Very cool. And looking at, yeah, the, the journey is the reward and having your brand represent something deeper, but also what your customers are going through, right? And being that the people who are coming to Skillshare are obviously coming to learn new skills. They are already at that point where they see themselves as a learner. Maybe they just need a little, little bit more of a push to get into a course. No, the company I was going to say that I think doesn't have is kind of could use some consulting. It would be like White Claw. They are, if you go to their Instagram account, they are trying to position them. It's all black and white photography. It's very elegant. And then you go to the photos of people tagging White Claw and it's drastically different. <laughs> it's a, a lot of 20 to 30 year olds who are having a very good time, let's just say. And uh, I don't think the, you know, the identity that they're putting out is truly matching the, cons- the experience. One thing that came to mind, I was like, oh, I know a company that's not doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not familiar with their branding probably because I'm too old to be in that, <laughs> that demographic. <laughs> but you know, exactly what you're describing, I think, is is the very thing that I was talking about in this Forbes article is this idea of, I would imagine that if I saw what you're describing, it's probably beautiful photography. But again, they're letting that visual identity lead versus letting you know who they are as, a, as an organization lead and, and who they're serving. And so I think it's a lost opportunity when you don't align those two things. 100%. And then when it comes to Skillshare, right, the way I see that you are all positioned is you are really the Mr. Miyagi to your consumer's karate kid. And, (laughs) (laughs) you know, uh, really coming in as this amazing supporting actor to the hero, which is your consumer. How true to false would you say that is? Absolutely true. And, you know, my CMO heart just skipped a beat because as you bring this new brand identity out into the world, the hope is that that is exactly what people will walk away from. We often use the term inspired host. When you walk into a really good dinner party and you think about what went well, it's almost always because the host put everything in place so that the guests could have a great time and connect with each other versus being front and center, right? So they're there to anticipate your needs. They're seating you next to somebody that they know you're going to find interesting. They're making those introductions so that you have a starting off point for those conversations. But really, they are a background player. And and that's exactly how we think about our brand is our goal is not to be front and center. Our goal is really to create the right dynamics for our members to be able to find the fulfillment that comes from that self-discovery and creativity. Yeah, it's, you know, enabling the consumer, right? And enabling people to go out and and experience that I think is so powerful. Talk to me, switching gears just a little bit, talk to me about what has it been like really keeping a growth mindset instilled in your team now with everybody, you know, being remote? Yeah, I think it's such a great question. And particularly with the remote part, I think I said this earlier, but I think one of the things that COVID has required of all of us is to really strip away the the things that don't matter and to focus in on the things that do. And so I think that that naturally lends itself to a growth mindset because you're sort of forcing yourself to look at your role, your job, your output in a new way. That really fosters, you know, to use your word from earlier, innovation. So I think actually the growth mindset has not been as challenging in a remote world as I might have anticipated before we went into this quarantine world. In terms of, you know, how we keep up a growth mindset on a regular basis, I think 
for me, it's, you know, you have to set the tone from the top, right? You have to model the mindset. And for me, that looks a lot like admitting when I'm wrong, asking a lot of questions so people know that the goal of my team is not for everybody to have the answers. It's to ask the right questions to get us to the right answer. And then, you know, celebrating mistakes that we make in the spirit of pushing the envelope. So I'm incredibly proud of the team when they are knocking through their goals and OKRs. But I'm equally, if not more proud of the team when we have a really thoughtful hypothesis and we go out and test it in the market and it doesn't pan out. And that's great. That is an important learning that will inform our efforts going forward. And I think it's really important to value that as much as you value the wins. And I think if you can do all of those things, it really instills that growth mindset in the team. Yeah. And to your point, you know, valuing that is looking at, although a marketing campaign or something you've worked on might not hit those traditional KPIs, there are always learnings. And I think that a lot of times we go like, oh, it didn't hit XYZ sales number or reach or whatever we were going for. But it's like, oh no, there's always value either in, hey, something else happened that we maybe didn't expect, or hey, we learned something that we know we're never going to do MySpace ads again, (laughs) whatever it may be. No, I think you hit the nail on the head with that. Now, before I let you go, let people know where they can find out more about Skillshare and connect with you online. Absolutely. So we are at Skillshare.com and you can find me on LinkedIn. Awesome. And uh, everybody, I will put links to Skillshare in the show notes. So on your podcast app, just go head down, hit that link, and you'll be able to connect with Liana and learn more about Skillshare. Thanks again for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Jordan. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody. Until next time, take care. Um.